2: Tom Bernard Show with co
1: host Catherine
2: Brandt,
3: Andy Brandt Bernard, Mike Molina, and the hackmaster Raftaway Basham, MD.
2: We will be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer Way upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you?
0: At uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800 770 or at Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant.
2: Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen, I do love working with Kristen Birch. She does a hell of a job. That's all I know. I mean, not that it's not great work on all the rest of you as well. You know what I'm saying. Because her hours goes, for some reason, her hour goes by very, very quickly.
4: Oh, well, there's always so much to talk about in the entertainment world.
2: I suppose that is true.
4: Good yeah, I and bad. That's,
2: I would imagine that's absolutely true. I would, you know what's interesting to me? What's that? Oh, I was
3: just I was looking up Frances McDormand. And her movies, no. boy, she's been in a lot of just like average movies. She's done. Yeah, a, a lot, she's yeah. worked a lot, but has never had recognition or never had good roles or who knows what. What an interesting well, once thing!
4: Once again, she, yeah, she's not a glamour girl, which limits her roles in Hollywood. That's true, big time.
3: Ooh, another another thing. Sexism in Hollywood. I don't think it's going to change. I think it's just absolutely there. It's ingrained culturally. It's I'm I'm worried.
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. They will not admit that, that that it's wrong to abuse women or sexually harass women or, in some cases, flat out rape women. Whether it be Kobe Bryant or it be Weinstein or it's just unbelievable. Well, for okay.
4: decades, if you'd watch any any movie or a lot of television shows, you know, it was like the woman. It was like the women had what could they be? They could be a hooker. They could be a stripper, they could be a mom, I mean, they could be a teacher. I mean, they have not been uh, in the forefront of expanding women's roles. I mean, women have had to become their own producers to get their roles expanded. It's been, it's terrible.
2: And yet, they're the first ones to stand up there and tell you how you should live your life. Yep. That's what I hate about them so much. The
4: hypocrisy is biting them in the butt, I think. I think it's Hollywood coming pukes. Yeah. Ugh. I think it's coming around where their hypocrisy is definitely so, being Garrison, looked at by social media.
3: Garrison Keeler is thrown out for an allegation, yet we're giving yep. awards to people who have factual basis of abuse of women. Makes no sense. Makes no sense.
5: Well no. I Well, the it. Ryan Seacrest thing isn't factual. That's allegations. Drop. The Kobe Bryant thing is like I don't know. It's true, but then she also paid got paid off so i don't know what to believe about that but what's it, the
3: third one but no, no he no he no he, he it's it's proven that he did have uh non-consensual consensual sex with a woman he admitted to it he admitted mm-hmm. to it he paid the money yeah
5: but yeah get it, justice or get money those are your choices so what so once you've oh, paid man, the money terrible. then it's white cream so then you're a good person
4: Well, it doesn't make you a good person, but, you know, like I said, if you're the the victim and you're, like, agreeing, I won't talk about this if you give me money.
5: Yeah, it can't have been that traumatizing if you're willing to just be like, oh, money will fix it all.
4: Well, because that is a certain kind of justice. I mean.
5: And he was married at the time. I mean, so, so. And, his, and, and they, uh, they reconciled too,
4: so which is how he surprising. How much? And to pay off his wife too. Yeah,
5: which <laughs> I don't, none so, of it makes any
3: sense. Uh,
4: well, you're, so, you're surrounding you. yourself with people that care about money and fame. That's yeah, what they care exactly. about. Exactly. Right. So,
3: Hollywood's going to have to ask themselves the question how much uh, illicit, illegal, immoral behavior are you willing to tolerate? And how much abuse against women? How much uh, use of women? Whatever you or use of men, or whatever you want to, how you want to, whatever sexism part the way it is, way you look at it, how much are they going to tolerate in your employees?
4: Well, they used to have morality clauses in with uh, stars. I don't know if they have those anymore. So, do well, they? I,
3: just I at, doubt it. They just have to ask that question. If you're going to award people who have abused other people, who have hit women, who have. Um, or I don't know, allegedly or whatever. It sounds like it was discussed in the divorce. Uh, if Someone who has said that, hey, I, I did not had non consensual sex with this woman and paid her off. How much of that are you going to tolerate? You know that that's what they have to decide. You know, is that okay?
4: I I agree, but I don't know who's going to step up and do that. You know, All I, the studios that, are probably run by people that perpetrate the problem. That's
3: why why I've said time and time again, it's never going to change in Hollywood. Nothing's going to change. This is a temporary kind of, oh, bad boy, bad boy, bad girl, bad boy, blah, 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 blah. None of this is going to change. None of
2: it's going to
4: change. And then everyone will get tired of it and forget all about it. Yeah. It's the American way.
2: Well, let's not forget the other part of that. It's not only Hollywood, which is a disgusting puke hole, but it's the media, too, which is probably a bigger puke hole. The media television, radio, and the newspapers are disgusting in their coverage of stories now. It's absolutely amazing. I'm looking at a news site right now. It it was reported in the Star Tribune on the front page today. Good job by the Star Tribune. the two top stories on StarTribune.com this morning when I went on there. One was the fact that Kim Jong-un wants to meet and talk with the United States and promises to shut down missile testing if he can meet with the United States and talk to them. I think that's huge. He that, that country has never reached out to the United States before that I can remember. Have you ever heard I of I think it? he
5: respects Trump for being as, Nuts. like, yeah, as, uh, he cares as little about what people think about him as he does.
2: That's exactly it. So that's never happened before. North Korea has now said they will shut down their miss- missile testing if they can meet with America, the United States of America, about that. And the number two story in the Star Tribune, once again, tip of the gap to StarTribune.com. And look, I don't have a lot of buddies over there, so it's not like I'm, you know, sucking up to the Star Tribune or, they, or propping up a friend.
3: You're not getting a free they copy every morning.
2: In, no. <laughs> I, uh, I've been ripped many a time in the Star Tribune. But their second story was also, and I'm not a huge supporter of Donald Trump, but also XL Energy Center has said the $140 million tax break they got is probably it's that they said it could go back to the customers. Those are huge stories. Both very positive Trump stories. And that's the only two... I don't see it anywhere else. Maybe I haven't checked Twin Cities today. Or, excuse me, TwinCities.com, which is the Pioneer Press. I'll check that in a couple of seconds.
5: Well, I went went to CNN.com. There's front page stories in biggest font to smallest. Conway broke line. Interviews agency says... Number two. Can a blue wave take down Ted Cruz? Number three... North Korea willing to discuss giving up nukes. So that's their number three story after gotcha (laughs) Kellyanne and gotcha Ted Cruz. Unbelievable. It's so sad the way
2: CNN is. It's really, really sad that they do that. And by the way, Trump had some bad news today. He's dropped down to the 766 richest person in the world.
4: Poor baby. He's
2: only worth $3.1 Do you believe that the person who's number 766 on the list is worth $3.1 billion? That's there's amazing. a lot of money in the world.
4: Oh,
3: yeah.
5: Well, there's a... I mean, the U.S. alone, their GDP is 20000000000000 trillion-ish. So mm-hmm. if you divide that by 766, you get $26 billion, So... There could be 766 people worth 226 billion billion in the U.S. alone if it was distributed that way. Yeah, if it was distributed just, that way, right. There's just way more money in general than there was 50 years ago.
2: Well, here you go. Newser.com has fresh ethics trouble for Kellyanne Conway.
4: Oh, what did she do now?
2: Uh, Dicks and Walmarts wouldn't sell him a gun. Now he's suing. Somebody's suing Walmart because they wouldn't sell him a gun. Um... There's another story, a uh, bank flagged Trump's lawyer's payment to Stormy Daniels. They, they're not going to give any of this stuff up, are they? No. This is never going to go away. Of course, there's proof now that, uh, and again, I'm not propping up Trump, and I'm not propping, uh, propping up Obama, but Obama knew there was Russian collusion during the election, but he assumed that Hillary was going to win, so he didn't do anything about it. And no one cares. How is that possible?
4: because they're running with that pack.
2: I just but if you're going to care about one, you got to care about all. How
4: it works.
2: Uh, can we ever get back to a point in the United States where everybody has the same value? Is, is you know, well, I shouldn't say get back to it because I guess we never have. We've never had a point where everybody really was a citizen of the United States of America and they were all equal. No, not even close. And we're never going to get there, are we?
5: Nope. People don't want that. They, they don't want it. You're right. Everyone rallies against uh, inequality until they can become, you know, the oh. other side of inequality, and mm-hmm. then it's suddenly, you know, they'll 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 admonish everyone else for it, but they'll you know sit happily on their three hundred million dollars that they have, even though they're somehow warriors for equality. It's you know you have to take a step
1: towards that. You can't just talk about it, but because we need do. to. Here, this great country of ours, and it really is one of the best top five. We could do better. I mean, they're all beating us. China, Japan, Wakanda. Okay, Wakanda is laughing at us, right? They've got flying cars, people in Wakanda.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very funny bit. I don't know if you don't if you don't you know, if you support Trump so much you don't think that's funny then you should check yourself because that is a very funny bit but it was also funny when Trump tweeted about it the last time he didn't said that whole oh, bit's not funny Alex Baldwin. He called him Alex Baldwin. I mean that is funny. That's funny on both sides. I'm sorry. But if you just don't have a sense of humor but I I come on.
1: Get us out. but it's clear something has to change. We have to take a hard look at mental health Which I have so much of I have one of the healthiest mentals <laughs> <laughs> My mentals are so high, but we have to respect the law believe me no one loves the second amendment and due process more than me But maybe we just take everyone's guns away. Okay, nobody is allowed to have a gun not even whites. Ooh. Ooh.
2: <laughs> 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 now, see that's very funny.
6: Uh, you gotta that admit funny.
2: that's about as funny as it gets, right there. It is, right? I agree. Uh, anybody? Oh, it's so offensive, and I, uh, I, I don't like it. Come on, man. Yeah, it's very, very funny
3: it's- stuff. Uh, I think it's always healthy to have parody uh, of the president, regardless of how good or yes. how bad you think they are. I think it's good positive thing.
2: Yeah, I don't think in my lifetime we've never had a president that wasn't parodied. I no, think everybody... they
5: tried their hardest not to parody Obama. But well, there's, no. a, there's a certain baseline that you people just expect. I mean, at the very beginning, they were calling him the do-nothing president and that sort of thing, but near the end, no one could touch him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose that that's... You know, Jay Farrow... Did a great Obama impression, but then he, all of a sudden he disappeared from Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yep. That's kind of weird. Very, very talented guy. Really, really talented guy. So I don't know what that's all about. Okay, you know. I think. You think what? Bernadette is on. Well, she's five minutes early. Hello there. Hi. Hi, Bernadette.
6: Hi there. How are you?
2: I'm marvelous, Bernadette. We uh, in about three minutes have to take a break right in the middle of the uh, the the interview. How long do you have today?
6: As long as you need. Okay. No, I am a talk show producer, so I I, kind of bend with. I bend with you.
2: Yeah. By the way, uh, as a talk show host of a morning show and an afternoon show, I do want to give you a tip of the cap for calling your book about talk radio yappy days. (laughs) Thanks so much for that, Bernadette.
6: You're laughing now.
0: Just wait till we get behind the scenes.
6: Yes, yeah, so I understand. It.
2: No, I think it's <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Bernadette Duncan, ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Yappy Days Behind the Scenes with Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers and Losers. Boy, you know everybody that I know.
6: <laughs> and sometimes it's just one person all in one.
2: Well, that's true. When did you get into radio, talk radio specifically?
6: 1987, before there was an internet, before we had the ability to Google people, I tracked them down in person. So it was the, the late 80s, mid-80s. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, my, my morning show started in, uh, in 1986. So basically, uh, I, I had done radio before that, but it was music radio. My first talk show was in 1986. So you and I started in talk radio mm-hmm. at about the same time. And it was a different world then. Uh, Bernadette Duncan Harrison is a 30-year-plus, well, we'll just put it that way. We'll, it says 30-plus years, but I'll just put it at 30 here. Veteran a producer of talk shows, having worked with such stars as Larry King, Lou Dobbs, Sally Jesse Raphael, Tom Snyder, Charles Osgood, Gil Gross, and many, many more people. Yeah, we probably know a lot of the same people, I would imagine. That's probably true. <laughs> Uh, she vividly recounts her adventures in the trenches of big-time talk radio during its most dynamic decades set against the dramatically changing backdrop of America's pre- and post-9-11 realities. That did change everything forever. As a matter of fact, Bernadette, I, uh, I found this out, I, I guess, just a couple of years ago, but the morning that 9-11 happened, we were on the air at KQRS mm. Radio in Minneapolis doing the, uh, the talk show, and it happened... And apparently we were the first ones that said this is not an accident this is a terrorist attack and and it wasn't like a far right-leaning talk show or anything like that but apparently they put it in the smithsonian which i i was, I was kind of floored by that that was kind of, that was pretty cool. wow so you know it, it's it's a nice thing but it's a sad very very sad nice thing i do need to take a two minute break here but if you could you could hang with us we have 15 minutes after that you, you can do that bernadette
6: Of course. Of course. I'm here
2: for you. Who's better than you? We'll be right back with Bernadette right up to this Tom Bernard show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let Flow enhance your experience with their rock-solid dock systems. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented Easy Level System. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Northwest Sports Show at the Minneapolis Convention Center, March 22nd through the 25th. Be sure to ask for the show special, where, with a qualified purchase, you'll receive a free three-piece furniture set or free wireless remote. And mention you heard this ad on KQ for an additional $50 off a dock or lift system. To find out more about Flow Systems, visit their website at floeintl.com. Flow docks and lifts—a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutrimost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutrimost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds—they're going fast. Unlike any other weight loss program, Nutrimost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you, too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a free informational dinner where you, too, can learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client, and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner. It's Tuesday, April 3rd, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Neutramost, Just off Highway 55 and 494, space is limited, so call 763-333-7337 now to register. That's 763-333-7337.
0: Now that we know it, let's really show it, darling. Let's give them something to
2: talk about. So we gave him something to talk about, no doubt about it. Bernadette with us. Bernadette... Um, do you go by Bernadette Duncan or Bernadette Duncan Harrison?
6: Um, we can make it easy. You could just call me Bernadette Duncan.
2: Okay, we'll do that because I know there are a couple of Bernadette Duncans and I wanted to make sure that people understood who we were talking to here. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted to call you, call you the name that you like to be called. You know, that just works out.
6: Um, it's really the name that I used when I was, um... Producing,
2: okay. you know, talk shows
6: for all those years.
2: So I do have to ask you: did, did, Why did you get out of producing talk radio? Because you got sick to death of talk radio people?
6: Uh, hardly, hardly, Mom. <laughs> no, get, check this out. I'm back in. I oh, you am are. Back in. Who are you working yeah, with? Yeah, you know, you can only you can only leave for so long, and you know what no, I'm talking true. about. No,
2: it's true because I started in radio 48 years ago, but I left for five years to work at Capitol <laughs> Records. From '77 oh, wow. to '82, but then I had to come back. I did voiceover in New York, uh, then for a few years. But yeah, I I know what you're saying. I had to return to radio, and now I've been uh, on the kq Morning Show for 32 years, and we've been doing this show for six years. And I can't apparently I can't get enough of it because I work on the air for eight hours a day. So it's it's interesting. Wow, it's a long time to work on the air, but you know. Yeah, all,
6: that's. That's not everybody. Not everyone can do that. No, I don't think That's very impressive, do Tom. You're you're um you're quite the animal.
2: Yeah. In other words, I'm full of it. That's what you're
4: driving. <laughs> <laughs> what
6: A Blood of hot air. No, no. The best of them. Hey, it, it's a muscle. It's a muscle, and I can't imagine you crawling back like an addict. You know to yeah. do what you do best. Yeah.
2: This candidly told story includes Bernadette's first-hand impressions of sometimes quirky celebrity sometimes quirky celebrity talk show hosts. let's go with all the time celebrity <laughs> Talk show, she served as producer during her career in talk radio. A producer does a wide variety of tasks in facilitating a show, including booking the guests, screening the listener phone calls, occasionally engineering the program, and most important, holding the hands, supporting, consoling, encouraging, and simply trying to get along with some of the most egotistical, egocentric, neurotic, insecure, demanding, opinionated, sometimes horrible but oftentimes wonderful and always remarkably talented human beings to talk across the face of the earth. I could not argue with one she's, word of that, Bernadette. Not,
4: and she's not talking <laughs> about you.
2: She might be. You don't know. You don't know she's not talking about me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't argue with any of that. It's true. The people, it often amazes me. Uh, and I've had to say it to many, many people I've worked with over the years, Bernadette, this is radio, this is television. You work at a newspaper. Calm down. You know, you're not Marlon Brando, relax. <laughs> but they some of them just can't. Although you No, work-
6: they and they take themselves seriously sometimes, but I found the best ones make you laugh, tell a story, and teach you something new. Mhm.
2: Mm, I think it's a very good point. Well, looking at the list of people you worked with, to tell you the truth, you worked with a lot of really good people too. I mean, a lot of very, very talented people on on the list of people. So, what can you tell us where you're working now?
6: Um, I can tell you that I'm working now. I'm I write intros, uh, questions for a host who I respect uh, that I don't want to reveal. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. But it was. Right. Yeah, eight months ago, I got. Um, I was invited to um, help her with her uh, show, and um, we laugh and laugh and laugh. And that's why I know I'm in the right place. I can't help it. I'm back. That I'm is. Back. A
2: good thing. Yeah, no question about it. I just because I. Uh, so many people. Well, you know, my wife Catherine is on the show. Our son Andy's on the mm-hmm. show. Alex, our daughter, is usually on the show. I love working with the family, but uh, Alex is not here today. But um, honestly, God, the only time basically that I butt heads with my son Andy is be- about radio, because I'm obsessed about it. And Andy, that's something you you just don't understand, do you?
5: I'm a type C personality. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Even farther away from A than B. Oh
6: boy, that's very good, Andy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's as good as it gets Funny. right there. I just think, um, you know, I've I've interviewed almost everyone that you've worked for over the years. matter of fact, I think I have interviewed all of them, to tell you the truth, looking at the list of the the people that that you have listed here. Uh, They are are interesting people. They're interested in what's going on in the world. They want to have, well, I think some of them want to facilitate change. Some of them want to make a difference, I guess, is a good way to put it. But uh, I think the number one thing is, and and that's why I think egotistical was the number one word on your list, is they Mm -hmm. want the world to know what they think about it. And that is very true.
6: Well put. Um, Yes, I I feel in retrospect um, that they're quirky for all sorts of reasons. Like Sally Jesse Raphael is a fairy godmother slash rascal to work with. Tom Snyder is... um, or was sadly um, yeah. a performance artist. Rush Limbaugh, who I never actually worked with, but I met several times over the years, um, is um, funny, a master, a choir boy, and very opinionated, and who saved our business. Uh, Larry King, uh, yes. King of the Night Time. I mean, I can go on. These are wonderful characters who are masters of word and conversation for all sorts of reasons.
2: I tell you what, Bernadette, that's the one thing I love about the radio business are the stories, and that's why Yappy Days would be a wonderful book for me to read. Uh, There's a great story about Jackie Gleason back when Larry King was working in Miami, and Jackie Gleason would come in and do his show all the time. He called and said, Pally, I can't make it in tonight. I'm sending over a very good friend. You'll love him. Don't worry about it. He said, who is it? He said, I don't want to tell you who it is. He'll just be coming over. I can't make it. So Larry King's about to go on the air, and there's a knock at the door. He opens the door. It's Frank Sinatra.
6: Wow.
2: That's rather impressive. (laughs) That's rather impressive, don't you think?
6: Well, it was part of Larry King's conveyor belt of celebrities. That that was sort of the norm Mm -hmm. working with him, right? I mean, all those uh, A-tier guests, sometimes B tier, rarely, if ever, a C tier. Although that happened one night,
2: we hear it. about
6: it. Um, the C tier night. <laughs> uh, it was my my uh, first uh, two weeks working with Larry King. Uh, and again, he would have politicians, celebrities on all the time, and he uh, proudly said that he would never read the guests a bio or book beforehand. Right. I mean, everybody knew this because he talked about it. Yep. um because he wanted to experience the guest like the listener did. So this one night he had on a guest who had written a book about childhood sexual abuse. I mean, it was it was a real oddball kind of author. So I just figured as now, two years into the business, that, okay, this is probably a friend of a friend for Larry who someone talked him into having on. She was on uh, on air with Larry, and I'm watching him nervously kind of twitching and, and kind of squirming in his chair. And now, you have to know, I'm new. I'm like two weeks into the job. My whole, uh, my, my boss had told me, whatever you do, you don't talk to him while he's on the air. You know, you, you get him coffee, you, you make him comfortable, but no talk. Well, what am I supposed to do? He's on the air and he's nervous. So I reach over to the little talkback button and I recall questions I had developed as a writer for, uh, for Seventeen magazine. I had worked at the teen magazine, so I kind of knew the topic of childhood sexual abuse. And I started pitching him questions like, at what point when you're dating do you tell somebody about your history? And out from Larry's mouth came that question. I couldn't believe it across 500 stations around the country um I, I was shocked and larry turned to the turned to that uh guest and um she answered his question which was mine and while i could sit there for about three minutes resting on my laurels i realized oh he, he's still kind of befuddled So I came up with another question, and then another question is, his eyeball kept coming over to me whenever he needed one, (laughs) right? and I would whisper it in his ear, uh, you know, through the talkback, and it it was just the night I knew, oh, sometimes you have to break rules, and um, uh, he he had me come back uh, as his uh, New York producer for about six more years.
2: I think it's wonderful. That's how the business is supposed to work. Uh, You know what you did for him? I would imagine over the past thirty-two years that if you could hear me talking to the producer and other people, because I, I do, I do it from a remote location, right? I'm, I'm I never ever go into the studio. I just don't mm. do it, right? Because I, I just I, uh, they're just too much. I found toward the end when I was in the studio. There were so many people pulling on my shirt sleeve going, I need this, I need this, I need this. Mm-hmm. Whether it was management or the sales department or, or somebody else on the air or another day part or whatever, I could never, ever concentrate on my job. Somebody was always needing something. Mm-hmm. But I would say mm-hmm. this, that if you could hear me on the talk back during the commercials of the show, you would think I was a raving lunatic because I am the kind of person... You
6: admit I, it. You admit it at least.
2: Oh, I do. I absolutely admit it. I, if I have to tell you more than three times what you need to do, and you know you need to do this, and you need to do this to do your job, I point out that probably... I, I Well, I can't tell you what I would say because it it's not even clean enough to, to say that I, I have no time for it. You understand that it's down to the down to the second the way radio works the way it has to be done you only have so much time and if other people are not doing their job or they're changing the subject or they're interrupting it just doesn't work it sounds horrible and i have zero time for that so i understand exactly what you're talking about so when you were helping out when you saw that that larry king was was befuddled and kind of nervous and all the rest of it you helping him out like that and him using your questions, it probably saved the entire interview.
6: Yeah, although I have to tell you, I never had to do that for the remaining six years I worked with him. No. You know, he is a pro. You know, he just knows the right regular guy questions, but that one, that one kind of uh, challenged him.
2: I could see that. I've interviewed Larry King probably about 25 times in my life. Wow. He's a great guy to interview because he knows the business so well. Mm Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. does. I mean, he yeah, and he's full of stories, of course. Oh, yeah, he's got tons of stories. There's no question about it. I actually even asked him about the time on his television show when now President Donald Trump was on his show, and he asked him to sit back because his breath was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he just started laughing about it. He took that very, very well. He was, he was just <laughs> fine about it. So, I don't know. As far as guests are concerned, sometimes... Okay, so you're in studio, and most of your, your guests came in studio to do the interviews, or were a lot of them on the phone?
6: It was, I would say, like 90% in studio, especially yeah. with Larry, because who wouldn't want to meet him, you know? Right, right. They were gaga.
2: So having to put up with the guests as well, because the guests in general, a lot of them have massive egos, no matter what, what it is they do. And, but people need to understand this. It's a different world they travel in. There's no doubt about that. It's a completely different world. An example, and he was a great friend, Vince Flynn. Unfortunately, not no longer with us. Died at 40. What was he? 46 mm. when he died. I
4: think so.
2: Yeah. Vince was a very. Mm. The family. The family got along very. Let me tell you, the kind of guy Vince Flynn was. He he, he wrote uh, 16 international bestsellers. When our daughter graduated from high school, he drove 150 miles from his cabin to attend her graduation party and then got back in his car and drove back to his cabin. So the guy did about 300 miles round trip just so he could be there. He was that close a family friend. And he told us a story, this magnificent story. Um, He's walking down the street one day in New York City, and he hears this guy yelling, Hey, Vince, Vince Flynn, Vince. And he looks around, and it's President Bill Clinton.
6: Oh, and,
2: and Vince goes, "Mr. President, how are you?" And he goes, "Hey, I heard you on Rush Limbaugh's show today."
6: Oh, wow! <laughs> so that's talk radio. Oh, that's great.
2: I mean, that is talk, That's that's the impact that talk radio has when the president of the United States is yelling across the street, going, "Hey, how you doing, I'm Mr. International Bestseller?" And then our dog starts, "Ruff, Why is he barking? Wow! That's a good question. Oh, we always have – this is a family show. The afternoon is a family show, and the dog is always here. He gets very excited. Love it. Love now, it. Now, Bernadette, I do need to take another break right here. Do you have a couple of more minutes after the break, or do you have to go? Of course. All right.
6: Of course. I could slide along with you.
2: I think it's just one – well, it's fascinating because I want to hear uh, how, what got you interested in the business. So th- basically, you think about this during, during a very quick break here. What made you interested in the business in the first place? How did you get in the business in the first place? Because you can't just walk in the door and start producing a big-time talk show. Uh, if you think about those two questions, we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now. Get the free staging package and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, Bernadette Duncan, promoting the book, Yappy Days, Behind the Scenes with Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers, and Losers. That is radio right there. Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers, and Losers. There's no doubt about it. Honest to God. It's it's a great title for a book. Did Did you just think of the... Did you know the title of the book before you wrote the book?
6: No. I, I thank my husband. It is his genius that came up with the title, because it really does capture everything. And the truth is, I worked with every single kind of personality of that nature, sometimes all in one.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, I can, I'm can. i looking at the list of some of the people you <laughs> worked like with. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that looking at some of the names uh, that, that are, uh, are listed here, uh, yeah. And I, you know and there's a possibility in in the in the television and radio business and the newspaper business as well that you uh, are a newser a schmoozer that's radio television and newspapers boozers absolutely and losers mostly. <laughs> so
6: there oh, I don't know It's well, moments, there are moments All yeah, you, know, well, yes. oh, you guys are so lovable Come on, you're so lovable Even the ones who
2: aren't are lovable I mm, no, hope <laughs> that's true uh, I like the, the description of your book A fun, breezy, informative, and gently analytical look At the media, journalism, and the complex nature of ego I love that That, that you are focused on that So, again Number one, how did you get interested In getting into producing talk radio anyway?
6: I was 12 years old when I wrote my first fan letter to Sally Jesse Raphael Mm. as a school assignment. And unlike all of my friends who did the same to their kind of favorite celebrity, my favorite, my recipient, wrote back within two weeks.
2: That's amazing.
6: And that I even knew her was because of my mom, an immigrant who had Sally on the radio in our house all the time because my mother from Western Ireland wanted to understand what this place, America, was all about.
2: That's great.
6: It's really where my mother learned everything from making a turkey for Thanksgiving to, you know, speaking New York.
2: (laughs) Well, that's good. That makes total sense. So Sally Jesse Raphael wrote you back. Did she know you were 12 years old?
6: I think she must have, I still have the letter, um, and I ended up, I mean, that kind of flipped the switch, it became my my timeline, my, my, my lifeline to my future, because I later um, got an internship in college, and ended up working at that very station where Sally was, WMCA in
2: New York. Sure, what, so where did you go to college?
6: Um, nothing fancy, which is very telling for what I ended up doing, meaning, I, went to, I graduated from Queens College. I was always in the New York City area. I, I started at Hunter, um, but I, I credit my grit, not the college I went to, although I did graduate. <laughs> I, I credit my, my kind of energy, enthusiasm, and just plain grit for uh, ending up in the business and, and lasting still. You know, so no,
2: no, It makes total sense So you knew from the time you were about Well because your mother See I love that story of an immigrant Learning what America is all about by listening to the radio Because many many yeah. people For many many years did that That's how yep. they learned what America was all about Was listening to talk radio Or listening to disc jockeys to hear about what the culture was Whether it was top 40 Or, or whatever the situation was I think that's the one thing That I would say about FM radio still doing well. AM radio, not so well. And uh, I, I think it's a situation where I hope people understand that we still do need radio. Uh, I have a friend who works in the Miami market named Paul Castronovo. He's the number one morning guy in Miami. And the Miami market now is, um, oh God, he gave me the figures, it's 70% Hispanic, 20% black, mm-hmm. and, and 10% white. And so that means there, there are many, many immigrants, whether they be from uh, a Spanish-speaking country or uh, places like Haiti. Um, a lot of Puerto Ricans, although Puerto Ricans, for some reason, I don't know why, but they tend to tend to go to the Orlando market when they move to America. Hmm,
3: but radio say.
2: is radio is still very, very important because they can s- sit there by themselves, listen to what it's all about. Probably the same thing your mother did. She didn't want to look like a fool, so she learned by sitting there by herself or by, with you by her side, hearing what America was all about. What is this all about? So did you know? Because and
6: also, I also believe that for a lot of immigrants, they leave their home country and they want to lose their accent. I know uh-huh. my mother, oh my goodness, wanted to lose her adorable brogue. But, you know, I have to also offer up the fact that in driving communities like L.A., radio is hot.
2: Oh, yeah. It's
6: still oh, yeah. hot.
2: Yep, it is. It absolutely is. M- Minneapolis-St. Paul is a big-time driver's uh, market as well. I mean, we have, we have a, the, the uh, light rail and we have a, a magnificent bus system and all the rest of it, but tons and tons of traffic as well. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that pretty much is the drive time in the morning and drive time in the afternoon is the lifeblood and always has been the lifeblood of radio. But still, what I love about radio is that overnight show, whether it starts at midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning, there are many, many, many people that sit and listen to the radio by themselves at night, um, You know, whether it's coast to coast or whatever the show is. They love that company. It's companionship for them, and I think you understood that. That the radio for your mother was companionship,
6: definitely. Um, and frankly, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the middle of the night, I just I will tune in to some of my favorite stations oh, yeah. around the country to the podcast. Oh yeah, just so to hear what people are doing. It's fascinating.
2: And, yep it's a brand new uh, it's a brand new element of it, and I think the marriage of, of radio. To, uh, podcasting is, is going to it, it's really coming on as a matter of fact and it's only going to get stronger because it needs to happen. Broadcast AM, FM and digital marrying one another. It, it's very very important. Okay so you're 12. You decide I think I want to get into radio. Did you ever want to be on the air or were you ever on the air?
6: I was on the air quote unquote uh, a few times uh, on in many of the the shows I worked on but, you know, I, I landed in New York, so it was really the place where they needed energetic people, and there was more of a need for a producer than an on-air person, and mm-hmm. I, I was good at it, so I, I kind of just stuck around in that job, and frankly, I have a, a mini-lisp, which you can't hear right now, but it's there, and... um I I fell into a very good place with some of the most talented people I could ever have imagined working with. Shocking.
2: So who was who was where was the first show that that you got a job uh, producing a, a talk radio show or any radio show? Where what market? What what radio station?
6: You see what I mean? It was New York City.
2: God, that's amazing. I was amazing. working
6: with a fellow named Barry Gray, basically who is credited with the first talk show in the middle of the night, which was uh, in New York City, where the, the theater would break out. He would get phone calls into his studio, and because the technology wasn't developed yet, he would translate what the person was saying on the phone in his left ear, and he would repeat the question or the commentary. I mean, oh, this okay. was talk radio. Right. <laughs> you know, in its rarest, rawest form
2: so you went, and, in um, and you went in and said, I want, I want to work with you, I want to uh, help produce your show, I want to produce your show, and he just said, Oh, okay. I love it. Is that how it went? Not
6: quite. It was, okay, we need somebody to work middays, uh, let's get the intern. <laughs> let's get the intern. Sure. Okay, so and the I did way. everything from, you know, you do it all.
2: So how many years did... Yes yeah see, I, I, what I wanted to do was ask so thirty plus years that's the way to thirty plus year veteran producer I had to find it in the bio to make sure that I got that right because I don't want people thinking you're older than you actually are, you know you don't need that, so ah. three decades, three plus decades of producing radio you just you must absolutely love it, I would think
6: it is um. My belief is radio is about community. Mm-hmm. Radio yep. is community. And, and during the 80s, late 80s, when we saw it break into then sports radio, so now you have your community of sports talkers right. and you have right. a community of right-wingers and your community of liberals. I mean, wow! I could hang out with like-minded individuals or kind of sneak into the en- enemy camp and listen to, you know, the other... The other uh, the other team, so to speak. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's it's thinking, connected people who are curious about the world, as was I. You
2: know what fascinates me about that whole thing, as you brought it up, Bernadette, is that conservative talk radio works on AM and it works on FM, but liberal talk radio is owned by NPR. National Public Radio absolutely owns that and I don't consider them to be, you know, way far left liberal or whatever. In certain markets they are. I'm talking to NPR because MPR, Minnesota Public Radio, tends to be very, very far left-leaning. Uh, but they own that business to the point where they've tried to start uh, uh, liberal talk stations or left-leaning talk stations uh, like Air America, but it just doesn't work because NPR owns that business. It's amazing.
6: In, indeed, it is amazing, and uh, I also think it—it's it, the luck of uh, Rush Limbaugh. Yep. Rush Limbaugh yep. coming into the 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 culture in the late '80s, and he became a phenomenon. He was funny; you weren't sure if he was joking around or serious, you know, or both. And he totally hijacked the the culture of the business and. And on the AM side, he he went from, like, 30 affiliates to 500 in the course of, like, a year and a half. I know. It was unbelievable. And it was phenomenal.
2: He went on a road tour that people might not remember, but he, he was on a few stations. Then he was on, as you said, about 30 stations. He, went, he put out a book and went on a road tour and appeared in every town and sold out theaters in every town. And since that day, Rush Limbaugh has been huge in talk radio. Nobody... Nobody bigger that I know of. Nobody even comes near Rush Limbaugh, as far as I know.
6: Yeah, that he is a phenomenon.
2: He is indeed.
6: You know, like him or hate him, yeah. uh, as far as I'm concerned, he saved our industry.
2: <laughs> well, he no, I agree with you. The the talking is he saved the industry. I don't. Uh, it's weird. I've I've met Rush Limbaugh, uh, talked to him a little bit. He's he's. Uh, Rush has a massive ego. I will. Say, I don't know if you've ever talked to Rush or met Rush or not, but in person, yes. so you know that Rush has a massive ego, and everything is about Rush. He's a very intelligent guy, but he is so focused on what he wants to get done and what he wants to do. It is very, very impressive.
6: Interesting observation, Tom. Um, perhaps he has a, a massive ego, but I will also... Throw in the fact that it's my opinion that he is also so introverted and yep. shy. Yep. Um, and that really, when I've met him in person, I've interviewed him for the New York Daily News. When I've met him in person, um, I feel like it, it, it's he's in such pain having eye contact. And in fact, today he doesn't go anywhere without bodyguards. Right. I mean he he has to commute in the world with security.
2: He does. Whoa. I know it's very very matter of fact he owns two airplanes cuz sometimes he needs more bodyguards than get you know, on one airplane. It's Wow,
6: <laughs> I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, he's he's got EI, EIB1 and EIB2. <laughs> he has two airplanes <laughs>
6: Oh, Wow. But what did mean, we do wrong with our lives? Yeah,
2: we didn't get we don't we we didn't get 20 million listeners. That's that was our biggest mistake. Do you remember the numbers that that Larry King back in the day when he was on all of those radio stations, hundreds of radio stations, he must have been pulling in about the same size audience, millions and millions of people.
6: I and of course, you know, when he was on uh, stations, a Mutual Broadcasting yeah. uh, Company, uh, we're talking before even CNN. His, his, you know, he was at a time when there was very limited media as opposed to today, right? Um, So, yeah, there there was a choice, and he was on the overnights. It was a quirky overnight show, so he had the market there.
2: He did indeed. The book is called Yappy Days, Behind the Scenes with Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers, Losers, and I'm here to tell you they're all there. Bernadette, what a great (laughs) hour. It's been magnificent talking to you. Thank you for your time today.
6: Thank you, Tom, and congratulations on your Hall of Fame title.
2: Oh, that's very nice of you. That's very nice of you to bring it up. Bernadette, I hope we talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show.